Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number three of the Pete Callender Show. Happy Friday. Well, it was until I'm going to do this to you. The president is speaking, but he's... Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't... Wait, don't... Don't press stop. Don't change the channel. He's talking about inflation. And maybe the blind squirrel finds the acorn here. Maybe not. But maybe he's got a plan. All right, no, okay, hear me out. Maybe... Okay, maybe he says something that doesn't make it worse. All right, hang on. All right. Well, all right, let me just listen. I got to hear this. I got to listen to what he's saying. Go ahead, pull it up. Let's see. Because they, the, Medicare negotiates the price for them. Well, if Medicare is able to negotiate the price on insulin, guess what? It comes down a whole hell of a lot. Outrageous numbers. So we could put a cap on insulin at $35 a month, and they'll still make a significant profit. 10 bucks to manufacture, 35 bucks. For example, we could begin by lowering the cost of high-speed internet because what you all did dealing with the, uh, uh, with, uh, the, 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 the infrastructure bill. Working with the server providers, we cut the price and rise, raise the speed. Potentially lowering high-speed internet bills on average for average family, $30 a month. Okay, well, you're, made, you're paying extra more than $30 a month for your gas, but that still increases the money out of pocket, the de- de- decreased amount you have to put out. The point is, what? we're doing everything in our power oh. to lower cost of families. But congressional Republicans, led by Senator Rick Scott, have a different approach. <clears throat> and if you didn't write it down, you'd think I was making it up. Oh, my God. And I mean it sincerely. Rick Scott tried to change his words yesterday, by the way, after he introduced this campaign. He's the guy that had the re-election of the senators on the Republican side. What? He realized that raising taxes on working families is a little unpopular. He said everybody, no matter what their station, if, they don't, if they're on welfare, should have pay a tax. Everybody should pay a tax. Yeah. Well, but here's the truth. One concrete plan that they laid out was going to raise taxes on working families an average of $1,500 a month. While we have 54 corporations out there didn't pay any tax the last two years and made $40 billion. What did he just say? They don't want to tax them at all. They don't want to tax billionaires are literally paying a lower tax rate than longshoremen are paying. Literally, on a percentage basis. Oh, my God. So he hasn't walked back from his plans on health care, he says what we have to do now that we've finally got the Affordable Care Act functioning and the prices down an average of 400 bucks for people, he wants to eliminate it again. They're back See? at one, eliminate it again. So, and by the way, the one that's the best thing that the Republicans are pushing now in the re-election is that they think that Medicare, I'm not making this up, go online, look, Medicare, Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid, go on the chopping block Every five years. What that means is at the end of five years, they go out of existence. All he's, ta- all right. affirmatively all he's talking about, all he's talking about is what the other guys are proposing. You're in charge. You're in charge. What's your plan? What are you doing? But he just got through saying there's very little I can do. But here's the Republicans and they want to do all this other stuff. That's all this other stuff is bad. Well, wait a minute. Are you saying that that they can try to in the as a minority party status? You're saying that they have a plan that they would enact that could try to address some of these inflationary pressures that you think are all bad ideas. So, what they can do some stuff, but you can't do anything. How does that work exactly? 
He complained about shipping companies from Asia that are raising their shipping fees by a thousand percent. He's asking Congress to crack down on price increases. Inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. This was why I asked Scott Huffman about whether he not, whether or not he thought uh, inflation was driven by the printing of money. Does printing money cause inflation? And he said he didn't know. And I said that's a fair that is a fair answer. If you don't know the answer to something that I ask, and 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 you say, oh, I don't know, I have to think about that. That's a totally fair response. I'm not going to beat him up for not knowing. But then he immediately pivots to say, oh, the Republicans suck. Well, you. You can't say you don't know and then start opining on the responses that your political adversaries have offered up. If you don't know whether or not printing money causes inflation, then I don't think you're in a position to say that their plans are not good because you don't understand their plans. Again, unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. This is one of the things Democrats get a pass especially Democrats running in, uh, in, in you know, red districts where they're not likely to win. They don't get any kind of media attention. And so they're, they're flabby intellectually. They're intellectually flabby. They, they have not worked out the muscle. They, they may know the talking points and they may know the little headline and the, the, the way to pivot from, you know, Dan Bishop doesn't do this and Dan Bishop doesn't do that. And I hate Dan Bishop and you should hate Dan Bishop. And you can go through all of that stuff. But that's why I tried to explain to him. I'm asking you deeper questions. I ask you these questions because there's no way I'm going to know every single piece of legislation that comes across your desk. There's no way for me to predict that. And by the way, I'm now cynical and maybe realistic enough to know that you can trot out all of these, Dan Bishop voted against this particular resolution that was supposed to be the perfect bill. And Dan Bishop's against perfection, right? I don't play that game. You notice every time he mentioned that stuff, I just ignored it. I don't, because it doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because the legislative leaders, both parties, stuff all sorts of garbage horse hockey into different bills in order to uh, juice certain results, in order to, to tease them out. They, they will put poison pills in, so this way the other party votes against it, and then they beat them up for voting against that thing. They all do it. Happens at every single level of government, okay? So I don't care. You can say, he voted against baby formula. Yeah, Dan Bishop wants babies to starve. He really does. Okay, now that's now you're being insane. It, it really, like that's, that, it's kind of insane. Do I think Democrats want babies to starve to death? No, I do not. It's a political loser of an issue, just first of all. Um, anyway, th- th- this, is, this has always been my approach, which is ask the philosoph- uh, philosophical questions in order to get at their uh, thinking so I have a better idea of what they may govern like if elected. I'll go over here to Mike. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete, that was a great interview. I listened to the whole thing. Hey, you did a great job interviewing him. Thank you. Uh, the, the reason I'm calling is uh, the, the, when I heard Biden just a little while ago uh, on your show saying, mentioning the high cost of insulin. And I just, it, it drives me nuts 
because insulin is a very expensive item. My son is a type one diabetic, mm. and so I'm well aware of the cost of insulin. Um, it's like four or five hundred dollars a bottle for the name brand insulins, and your insurance usually brings it down to something like thirty to fifty dollars out of pocket. But Walmart sells an insulin that's called Novolin R, and you can buy it at Walmart for twenty five dollars a bottle, with or without a prescription. And it's more—it's more or less over the counter. Um, I mean, you have to go to the pharmacy to buy it, mm. but you don't even need a prescription to buy it. Mm. And nobody—all the none of the Democrats or Republicans, for that matter—seem to be aware of the fact that you can buy low-cost insulin that works just fine. Um, so interesting. I just wanted to throw that out there because twenty-five bucks a bottle is not that expensive. <laughs> right, but the principle I think is that uh, they don't believe you should have to pay anything well that's a whole nother matter right by the sense of entitlement across the whole country but you're right about that yeah no i got you hey i appreciate the info thanks mike you're welcome see you yeah have a great weekend appreciate it News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A couple of tweets from Old Grouch's military surplus out in western North Carolina. Uh, People always assume... Oh, wait a minute. Uh, In this context, you should ask Scott Huffman, since you want to make laws for the purpose of the legal definition under the law, what is a woman? Because you can't have and enforce laws regarding women without defining what one is under the law. Right. This is this was the discussion we had with Dan Bishop, Scott Huffman's opponent, um, about words have meaning. Our entire system, our legal system, is built upon understood and accepted definitions of words. And when you go in and start dismantling those definitions, the implications are profound and unknown. You don't know how far they're going to ripple out. Right. Jim, welcome to the program. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hey, Pete. Thank hey. you. That was that was a great interview. The man reminded me of somebody that's drowning, and you kept throwing him a rope, and he kept passing on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but two things I wanted to bring up. He he mentioned the Bible about life when life begins, and the Bible says that I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say I knew a group of cells or a blob. So I want to differ with the gentleman about when life begins per what the Bible says. Yeah, he chose the one passage that uh, that would confirm his or support his political opinion. That's the, that's the excuse it sounds like he used it. And look, I, I bet that when he says that in his Democrat circle of friends, uh, they all think that that is brilliant. I bet they all think that's the most brilliant thing ever. Um, it's sort of like when I was hanging out years ago in college, I said, I'm just a deist. And everybody said, oh, wow, Pete, he's so smart. He's a deist. And then when I uh, did, a, you know, I, I went through and I did, uh, took a lot of classes on religion. I did a lot of reading and uh, came back around to Christianity. And all of a sudden, people were amazed at how stupid I had become. What happened to you, Pete? You used to be so smart. You were a deist and... You were cool, and now you're a Christian. What's up with that? Kind of the same deal. 
And, and then the other thing that the gentleman brought up was that I was a little less confused on, and I wish you had asked him, and if you did and I missed it, then I apologize. But he said that the America first philosophy is white supremacist. He did. He did. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, how is that white supremacist? Right. I, uh, which is, yeah, I, I don't know, which is kind of funny because you listen to Joe Biden talking about now today talking about, uh, you know, Asia and they're raising all these prices and all this. Yeah. You know, if you took an America first position, maybe some of this stuff would, would ease. I don't know, but I, I did not challenge him on that because he was running. I said, what is the evidence that Dan Bishop is a white supremacist? And cause he called him a white supremacist and he yep. said his donation to Gab that was what that was the first thing he listed. Now I know that story. I know the story about why and how Dan Bishop donated $500 to Gab, the social media platform. When they first launched, they went out into the uh, public and they were like, "We're we're going to set up a competitor to Twitter that is censoring free speech." And people put money, they did a kickstart campaign whatever, one of those fundraisers, and Dan Bishop gave him $500 and then never did anything with them again. He just said, yes, I'll support your effort. Go for it. And then, of course, the, the site got populated by, you know, alt-right neo-Nazi, you know, scum, and, uh, and they got a reputation. Of course, then the media goes after him for all of that, too. Dan Bishop doesn't use Gab. He's not all over Gab, but he, he made the one-time donation when they first started to get them off the ground. And so that's the piece of evidence. It's flimsy at best, at best. But then, yes, when he said America first, I wrote it down. Because like, if I had time, I'd have circled back on it. But, yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And what was really sad with this gentleman, and I would like to thank him for his service, because I'm pro-military, and I, I admire the man for serving, and I, I want to thank him. But you were asking him to explain himself, and he couldn't explain anything. And if you're going to be in politics, you better figure out how to explain it. Yeah, 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 that's literally the job that you're asking for. You, that's the whole point, is to persuade people into making policy, and it's quite clear. And you asked him repeatedly to explain, and he couldn't explain. Right. Yeah. So, But I won't take up your time, Peter. No, I, I appreciate it. Show, and uh, I don't always agree with you, but... That's totally that's what fine. It's about. Right, that's totally and fine. I think you do a great job with it. Yeah, we're all allowed to be wrong about certain things, Jim. That's, that's fine. No, I appreciate the call. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thank you for the kind words of support and for listening. I appreciate it. No, I, I don't expect everybody to agree with me. I don't want everybody to agree with me all the time. That's a kind of a boring show, you know? Um, but here's the thing. On things that you agree with me on, I hope to be able to give you some information so you're armed for the battle, you know? And if things uh, that, that we disagree on come up, I hope that my articulation of the argument makes yours stronger, right? That you get something out of that. Resistance to pressure builds strength, right? How do you know your own argument if you don't know your opponents to? This is why most of the media that I consume comes from the left. It does. Mainstream and left-wing organizations. That's generally what I read because I need to know what their arguments are. I also read stuff from the right, but I'm pretty clear on the philosophy of the right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I don't have to. I don't have to sort of go deep dive into that stuff. 
I can see the stuff on the left. And that hones my argument, makes it better. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Believe it or not, I did a whole stack of show prep. Even watched that committee thing last night, the January 6th. I got all this stuff. And then I have one interview with Scott Huffman, and the whole thing out the window. Steve, welcome to the show. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm not a biologist, but I had high school biology. And a woman is someone with two X chromosomes. Simple as that. I don't know why this is such a hard question to I do know why. I uh, stop myself because I do know why it is a hard question because it's a political question. This is the problem. And, and this is the problem. This is the game of hide the ball uh, that the Democrats and the left are playing in, in kowtowing to this particular uh, demographic of their base. They're, they, they don't want to answer the question because they're afraid that however they answer it, they're going to anger somebody. And you could hear it. And that's, it's dishonest. That's the point. And like his uh, supporters, Scott Huffman's supporters on Twitter, and I'm seeing them now, uh, they're all like, hey, didn't you answer that question? He went into the lion's den and came out unscathed. We loved his answers. Yeah, like, to them, they're just puffing him up, all four of them. Uh, They're just puffing him up because they know he can't answer that question. There's no no way he can. And so he refuses, and they cover for him. And it's dishonest, is all. When when it comes to abortion, um, when I saw my son born, I realized that one minute before he came out, when he was still inside, and one minute after he came out, there was no essential difference, no significant difference. Right. So late-term abortion is murder. It's infanticide. And that is what he, that is what he finds, uh, he is ex- accepting of that. He is. And, and like I said, I did not even get to the second question of the, I mean, I didn't get to a lot of questions. I mean, I because he, he wouldn't answer questions, and so I end up having to just keep dragging him back. Had he just answered the question, however he answered it, right? I, I'm not... I'm not seeking to get a specific answer to to jump on him, but it would lead to other questions. That's the point of an interview, and he just used them as as if I'm in a uh, as if I'm moderating a debate where he would just use it to to launch into a series of talking points about other things. And that's not how I conduct interviews. And that's why I asked him if he'd ever listened to my show <laughs> because it didn't seem well, like you he did a great right. job, and uh, and it was clear that that he was just evasive and and. Uh, in campaign mode, you know, not not serious uh, yeah. debate mode either. Yeah, I got you. you. Yeah, Steve, I appreciate the call, buddy. Have a great weekend. Um, I got some more tweets here. Please put us, uh, Pete, put us out of our misery listening to this guy. <laughs> um, Scott certainly has the Democrat talking points memorized, never actually answers a question, just spouts the same old garbage. Um, Pete, you are far more tactful and patient then I would be with Scott Huffman. That man refuses to answer your questions and instead uses your platform to bash his opposition in an attempt to deflect from his unwillingness to respond to your very fair inquiries. Um, Kelly says, who is this wingnut? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in his district, but he hasn't articulated a single point as to why he deserves an independent voter's consideration. 
Blaming the other guy is not good enough. Um, this guy is going to try and win a seat by repeating what he has heard on MSNBC. This is remarkable. Uh, but how can you take it, Pete? I hate when you ask a question and the person refuses to answer, but instead they spout their talking points. And uh, this one says, Scott Huffman, thank you for going on the Pete Callender radio show on WBT. Hey, Scott, we already have a state law against price gouging in North Carolina. How do you not know this? <laughs> uh, that's true. We do. Um Another politician, Mike says, another politician telling you what's wrong with the other guys. Huffman refused to give any straight answers. We don't need just another politician. Look, politicians want to talk about what they want to talk about. That is generally the case. It's one of the reasons why there are certain elected officials, and I will, you know, I will be completely honest, and I've said this before on air. I make no, uh, uh, I, I'm not trying to hide this from anybody. Uh, I've known Dan Bishop for over 20 years. When he first ran for office as a Mecklenburg County Commissioner. And in my conversations that I've had with him over the last 20 years, I talk with him and we explore different areas and, and tangents and rabbit holes. And, and he is perfectly willing and capable of going down those paths. He's a very smart guy. And I think that, I, I think. I mean, I'm not trying to like uh, uh, you know compliment him, but he's a very smart guy. And I usually, when talking with him, I go down these paths, and he willingly goes there with me. So we end up talking about Antonio Gramsci, neo-Marxism, and postmodernism because he understands it. He doesn't declare to be an expert, but he understands it. He does the research on it. I am far more interested in that than listening to the boilerplate plan that the North, uh, that the National Democratic Party has stuffed down the throats of every single Democrat candidate in this state to run around and pitch. Doing the same news conference with different people reading the same talking points at every single stop. Yeah, I don't need to hear that. It's uninteresting to me. And maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I'm biased. Truth is, yes, I am probably both of those things. I, I, I do not lack in self-awareness. But I'm far more interested in having a conversation about ideas than about people, generally speaking. And that's what I was getting. But I also understand as the, the because uh, McGuffin did the same thing where uh, when he was, you know, going after me and Ted Budd and Donald Trump. And it was, you know, turn, turn everything into an attack on, on some other people. And that's why at one point during that interview, I said to him, he was running again. He's in the Democrat primary. I'm like, you need to worry about beating Sherry Beasley first, right? Which he didn't. So that's why I, I often wonder if this, a lot of this stuff is just an effort to parlay the run into some other gig. I do wonder about that because like, I've never understood people who run for offices that they know they cannot win. They just shell out hundreds or even thousands of dollars to run for an office that they know they can't win. So there's got to be another reason. Like, what am I missing? That's Steve Matthews. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. 704-570-1110 and uh, 
1-800-WBT-1110. The email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Twitter is at Pete Callender. And it is... It's a frenzy. It is a frenzy. Wait until I uh, share out this this podcast momentarily. Uh, from the Scott Huffman interview, period. Um, the first hour of the program, we interviewed Scott Huffman. And by we, I mean I. Uh, I It's the King's way. And I, uh, I interviewed Scott Huffman after he asked to be on the show. And this is... All right, so here's the, here's the deal. I say this all the time, right? If people want to get on the show, politicians, candidates, right? Generally speaking, I say yes. I'm not trying to block people from getting on the program. But generally speaking, after a couple of these types of interviews work their way around the the water cooler, certain candidates don't like coming on the show. <laughs> they don't want to be on the show. And uh, this actually happened, a quick story, same thing happened when I was up at uh, the station in Asheville. I've talked about the uh, the sister station that was a progressive talk station, and there were two different hosts while I was there during my eight-plus years on the air up there, and there were two different hosts that were on the progressive station. And I did this with both of them, where I would moderate candidate debates. And so I would, and we would simulcast. So I would bring the uh, uh, the progressive host We'd get together, we'd write up the questions, we'd you know, think of the different questions, we would bring in both of the candidates, the Republican and the Democrat, we'd sit them in the studio, we would simulcast, but all the questions were drafted by both me and the progressive guy. And at first there was a guy named Blake, and then there was another guy named Jeff. And uh, we, we agreed on the questions ahead of time, he would submit some, I would submit some, we would make them you know, as fair as we could. It's a cooperative process. And after we did, I think we did that two or three years. And finally, after the third year, um, a woman who had uh, subsequently after this, uh, she was a county commissioner, um, was charged with embezzlement from the county, uh, a Democrat, Ellen Frost was her name. She told the local Democrats, which then who then told the progressive host that they would not do any more candidate debates because I sandbagged them. This is how flabby these candidates are because they don't have to actually have a debate with people. They get to just come on and they get to just spout the talking point and the media just says, okay. And look, I understand I'm going to do a different kind of an interview based on the person I am interviewing. Absolutely. But with Scott Huffman, I said, I made it very clear. I'm asking you these questions because this was the nature of the topic that I had Dan Bishop on to talk about. Now, Dan Bishop answered my question. Dan Bishop didn't try to tap dance around what I was asking when I would ask questions. So obviously that creates a different kind of interview. Um. So, yes, word does get around that, hey, if you go on Pete's show, he's going to ask you tough questions, so best not to go on his show. There's there's very little benefit you that you would get from going on Pete's show. I understand that. But look, for the three people that are tweeting about how awesome Scott Huffman did, that's, you know, 
That's great for him. He's got their votes. Although I think one of them doesn't even live in the district. But see, so it's a win-win. I'm a giver. Two six-packs of Shiner. 99-cent butane lighter. Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler. Take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. So that's a wrap for the week. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Thanks to everybody for participating in uh, today's show. I enjoyed it. We'll see you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Top Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right.